You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, we're zooming into week, what week is it? Week nine. The trade deadline as we uh, record today is today at 4 p.m. Eastern. It's Halloween, so happy Halloween to everybody out there. Hope uh, all your ghosts and goblins get what they're looking for today, tonight, whenever the hell they, they go out and party a little bit. But uh, Alex, a couple of trades have come down the pike already. Uh, A couple of defensive linemen have moved. Leonard Williams to Seattle, Montez Sweat to the Bears. And I don't know, this may be even a bigger move, but uh, James Harden on his way to the Clippers. So uh, some moves being made today in sports. What's up, man? Alex, what do you say? James Harden finally gets out of Philly. By the way, I'm just curious, like, is James Harden ever the type of player that will be happy anywhere? Do you always no. get the feeling that <laughs> James Harden is just really good at basketball, Lou? Like, very good at basketball, but he doesn't love the game. I mean, yeah, that's no probably... Question. Yeah, I mean, no question about his skill set and everything else. That's um, probably yeah. the question mark that I always ask. Like, I don't think this is the guy that, that loves the game. I don't think this is a guy that I want to have on my team. This isn't the guy that's going to make my, you know, four other players on the court better, whether it's in the locker room or even on the court. This guy is a me-first player, and I don't think he makes other players in the long haul better. Great player, but a head case off of it. And I think it comes down to this. Like, I don't think this guy loves the game, and that's just... You know, you're good at certain things, but you make a lot of money doing something. But that doesn't mean that you enjoy doing it every day. Maybe it's just a business move by Balmer, you know? I mean, just uh, getting another name on the squad. They're opening the old, new forum that they're going to be calling home. They won't be playing, you know, sharing an arena with the Lakers anymore starting next year, I believe. Uh, right there in Inglewood, which showed the home of show, the Showtime Lakers. I'm at one of my favorite buildings ever. Uh, but now it's going to be Clippers play. So I guess that's that's it for me in terms of the, the fabulous form. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he just uh, he's talked his way out of the last three places he's been. Uh, you know, Daryl Morey was like the biggest James Harden fan, I think, in the world outside of James Harden. And all of a sudden he has a falling out with him. So, yeah, I mean, it, James Harden loves himself some James Harden. You know, I mean, that's uh, that seems to be the long and short of it. I mean, he has, you know, he has done real well with with assists. But again, it, it's all statistics, right? I mean, you talked about it. Is he really making the team better? Is he piling up stats? Um very similar to one of his old buddies, uh, Russ, Russell Westbrook, I guess. I mean, little different because Russ just has a motor that doesn't stop and he plays 100 miles an hour no matter what. But, uh, again, he's not necessarily a winning player. So, okay, uh, the trades. Leonard Williams to the Giants, Montez Sweat to Chicago. Um, What do you mean? I mean, 
Leonard Williams, former USC guy, obviously Pete's a USC guy. They didn't, I mean, they weren't there at the same time, obviously Leonard's much younger, but um, what do you think of this? How are you, you feeling good about Leonard Williams out in Seattle? The Seahawks needed to make a move on the defensive line because through the first month of, month of the season, that defensive line excelled against the run. Like the, the Seahawks were good against the run. Now they're getting beat up. People are running on them consistently. This is a first-place team right now, okay? It would have been unheard of like three weeks ago to say the Seahawks will even win this division, but we'll talk about the 49ers a little bit later. The Seahawks are in first place, so they needed to make a big move, and I think it is a big move. Leonard Williams does make them better up front. He obviously gives them depth, and... You know, he's a very good player, and the, the Giants are doing a fire sale. That's it's pretty much what it is, and I'm sure maybe we'll hear some other names being moved, I mean, as far as New York is concerned. I also love the Montez Sweat deal for the Bears, okay? Chicago is like, they're terrible, okay? They have the league's worst pass rush at the halfway point this season. They've spent, they brought in, like, new players on the defensive line ahead of this season they spent second and third round picks on the defensive line and it just it hasn't worked out the bears i'm reading it right now low the bears have an nfl low 10 sacks this season and 46 pressures which ranks 30th i mean that's terrible montez sweat alone through eight games has 6.5 sacks and he has 35 and a half over you know five plus seasons so this injects life into the Chicago Bears. They needed help up front. They needed to get a better pass rush because, I mean, in this league, you have to be able to to get to the opposing quarterback, which Chicago hasn't been able to do. Well, hopefully this year's move works out a little bit better than last year's. They gave up a second-round pick to Pittsburgh last year for Chase Claypool, and that was just utter disaster, not even on the roster anymore. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's still with the Dolphins. They, they made that trade, but I, I don't know that he'll be getting on the field anytime soon with uh, Tyreek and Waddle and Wilson ahead of him, Braxton Berrios. So, so uh, yeah, but Sweat, obviously much different player, much better player. Um, and I guess the question you have to ask yourself if you're uh, Ryan Poles is, okay, can we get – a Montez Sweat caliber player with this second round pick? And the answer is probably no, because this guy's been proven player in the NFL. Uh, now he's been doing it with the Washington Redskins football team commanders. Uh, num- you know, it's first round pick. I mean, they've, they've got him all over that, that uh, defensive line and it's underachieved. Uh, Chase Young is in that boat. Maybe he gets moved too. Maybe this was just the move that was a better option for them and they'll keep the other. But, you know, obviously here, I mean, hopefully Chicago has some sort of agreement with Sweat in place moving forward because I think he is a free agent. So uh, you'd hate to see give up a second round pick for a rental when your team's not really that good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the player on paper. Seems like, seems like a good move. He's still fairly young. So let's go there. And Leonard Williams, I mean, he, he kind of, was he a bust with the jets? Maybe they, 
he was just a bad situation, moves over to the Giants, and now all of a sudden he's like a brand-new player, the guy you expected coming out of USC. And now, again, he's been lost in the shuffle in that in that defensive line rotation with some younger players. So um, this could be like a resurrection in the Pacific Northwest for for Seattle. And like you said, Alex, they're 5-2, they're and two, and now all of a sudden they're looking like, hey, we got we may we may have a chance at this division if they get if they get split with the Niners, you know, and the, the, the next couple. I mean, obviously, they, they have them twice. They got a shot here. So, uh, yeah, I like those moves so far. Be interesting to see if anything else happens. Uh, last year, I think there was 11 moves on, on trade deadline day. So the day's still young. But a lot of these moves are the guys that uh, were rumored to move have pretty significant contracts. And I guess just in the logistics of the whole thing, if you're getting, if you're trying to get the trading team to eat that money, I think those restructures had to be in by four o'clock yesterday. And with some of the big move, big names, uh, apparently that hadn't been done with some of these guys, especially the big name wide receivers. So should be interesting the, the rest of today, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week was kind of strange, you know, this past weekend's games. I mean, you mentioned the 49ers already. Obviously, the, the Chiefs kind of, I don't know how to explain that. Uh, not so much that they lost, but they just look so listless. Um, the Niners, again, I mean, you can say what you want about Purdy, but but again, I guess the concerns for me is more the defense getting carved up. Again, it was Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow looks like, Joe Burrow again, so you really can't blame them too much, but they're not getting the pass rush, you know, from some of these other guys, from from Bosa. They, they bring in Hargrave, Eric Armstead. I mean, a lot of these guys, you just haven't heard much from them in the last few weeks. So really strange doings as far as that goes, the quarterback injuries. We got a guy making his first start that just lights it up. So a lot, a lot of interesting storylines, but let's start with the Niners for you, Alex. Uh, you've probably been waiting to kind of get some things off your chest. Let's let's go. I mean, the defense struggled once again in the loss to the Bengals, and that was another problem, like a big problem. We talked about it last week. I said the defense needs to step up, and I, I called them out, and I was confident that they were going to step up against the Bengals. That just didn't happen. I mean, they, it looked like the same thing over and over again. And Purdy, making mistakes when it mattered the most. I mean, it's one thing to play from ahead, Lou. It's one thing when you have a comfortable lead. And the 49ers have been great at jumping out at teams in the first quarter, in the first half. You're feeling comfortable. You're, you're winning by a couple of touchdowns. Obviously, you're not going to force it. You're not going to make mistakes. And that's what Purdy has gotten used to for the longest time. And then the last couple of games, we see the 49ers playing from behind. And you still have the weapons. I mean, Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey, they're still there. So you can't say that it's only because Debo Samuel isn't on the football field. uh, You know, Purdy isn't feeling comfortable. He still has a lot of weapons at his you know, disposal. I just, I think that Purdy is being asked to win games, is being asked to make some plays, and he is not feeling as comfortable as he was a couple of weeks ago when, again, the 49ers had a very comfortable lead. We're playing from behind. 
and he hasn't stepped up to the plate. And he was outplayed badly by Joe Burrow. It's one thing in this league to complete passes, okay? You can have a high completion percentage. You can, you know, have throw for a lot of yards. And he did throw for a lot of yards. But you can't turn the ball over. Kyle Shanahan knows it. The 49ers know it. If you're going to turn the ball over, you're not going to win too many games. And that's that's the case. And in the last three games, he's been turning the ball over at, at a huge rate, okay? I mean, something that we haven't seen from him before. He has been able to take care of the football, um, you know, make good decisions. And the last few games, he's just he's forcing the ball. And the 49ers are paying for it. So not playing good defense and just mistakes. Turnovers by the quarterback. Yeah, expectations is a... Is a f- is a kind of a sticky wicket, you know, I don't, I don't think he's the type of kid that's like believing his press clippings, but the situation, like you said, is like completely different where you're playing from the lead. The defense is pinning their ears back in after the opposing team's quarterback and you're just kind of rolling. So you see this a little bit with the Dallas Cowboys as well, where they jump on a team early and then the defense all of a sudden becomes superhuman takeaways the the pass rush is is more intense everything just seems to be like insurmountable but in terms of you know going back going back to purdy is that i think the original ask for him was to hey get the ball to these playmakers we will scheme these plays these are the reads and he was doing that right now you know I don't know that he's got the skill set to play, as they say, above the X's and O's. If those reads aren't there, you know, and it goes, bent, you know, like read one, two, you know, progression one, two, three. If it's not there, does he have the skill set to do that? And I think he does to a degree, but I think, again, he's learning too. He's still kind of, you know... He's basically just getting into his second year of playing right from where he started and then coming back this year. You know, that's what we forget. We elevated him. And again, we're as I should say I was as guilty as anyone. But but to go back to that, it was more, I think, okay. compare it, you know, Montana was doing his first couple of years with with Bill Walsh versus what he's doing with Kyle Shanahan. And as soon as that, you know, that picture gets a little muddied and maybe it's not so clean now, okay, what are you going to do kind of like to reset? How, how are we going to get back to where we were? Or can you now play above the X's and O's? Can you make those plays? So I think he's got to get used to to seeing that. And I'm sure the looks on defense are starting to change a little bit, you know, as teams get a little bit more tape on him and so forth. And I think it's just a learning process. The bigger concern, like you said, Alec, is the defense is because they're the ones that I think need to set the tone, not so much offensively. 
yeah, you want to jump out, but you want the defense to be like maybe get that turnover and a short field or three and out, force a punt. Now, we, you know, it's not playing from behind. So, uh, yeah, it's there's growing pains. I mean, it just it just happens. You're not going to there's no team that just has a straight ascension and all this. You're just going to win every game. You're going to have peaks and valleys. And unfortunately, right now, it's three losses in a row for them. And um yeah, it's, it's it, but but I think the bigger story from that game is just how well Burrow is moving compared to where he was just a few weeks ago, where he was like a statue back there. He really couldn't move at all. Now also he looks like he has he wasn't injured a bit. He's play everything's on time. Jamar Chase is doing Jamar Chase things. Mixon's, you know, playing out of the backfield. Anna Rumo seems to be able to dial things up on the defensive side, no matter who they're playing. And that's one, you know, on Halloween, that's uh that that's the one I'm most afraid of right now. Cause if they get it rolling, that's a team that could kind of, you know, push through that AFC fairly easily. Well, the Bengals are rolling right now, Lou. I mean, they've won three straight. T. Higgins had a coming out party. He had a big game against the 49ers. And I look at the stat. When under pressure, Joe Burrow was basically lights out. He completed all 10 of his passes for 136 yards and a touchdown against the 49ers. So that just tells me that the guy is healthy, like you said, and those early struggles in the beginning of the season when, you know, he was injured and it looked like he was definitely laboring, you know, it seems like it's behind him now. And the Bengals, I mean, they're clearly a Super Bowl contender now. I mean, the the way yeah, that they, they've got everything rolling. And, and you can make this- a case, you can make a case, Lo. That they're the best team in the AFC right now. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, they they certainly have all the pieces in place. Uh, yeah, they lost some guys in the defensive backfield, but but again, I mean, maybe the most underrated coach in the league is their defensive coordinator, Luana Rumo. Um, maybe this year he gets a head job, but. Uh, Yeah, that's the team you're afraid of. But I think the biggest thing for me is not so much the way he was throwing the ball, but just the movement in and out of the pocket, running for first downs. And it's not like he's getting up limping or anything like that. I mean, he looks like he he looks when when he's healthy. So he is healthy. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, and again, they wear black and orange, the whole thing. I mean, they they they've got me spooked right now, Alex, especially watching watching the Chiefs try to play offense in denver this past weekend what the hell happened there i i just i want to ask you i mean it's looked like i'm not saying and i mentioned it last week the chiefs offense hasn't been as explosive they haven't been clicking but the fact no. is i mean they only scored nine points you still have patrick mahomes out there right you still have travis kelsey what's going on especially against the denver team that is playing better defense the past couple of year a uh, couple of weeks but and there, it seems like the focus is more on the running game. So Denver again is a better team than they were in the early part of the season. But you certainly should have scored more than nine points against this Broncos. Yeah. Oh no, no question. I mean, and again, the same. I mean, the same problems that have been kind of plaguing them throughout throughout this season is short yardage and red zone, and they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, especially in the red zone and short yardage. You know, sometimes they get a little too cute 
and let's just, you know, I mean, the, the Eagles have perfected the brotherly shove, tush push, whatever you want to call it. And then this past week, they showed a, showed a nice little option off it, and they scored a touchdown. But they have something, you know, they have an identity. What they want to do is where the Chiefs. I don't, I'm not sure they even know what they want to do. They've kind of eliminated the quarterback sneak out of their offense, unless they like motion uh, one of the tight ends over, and they try it, and then it's just so obvious. But also, kind of taking that out of the. Uh, the defense's mindset in short yardage, they can play a lot differently. You know, they don't have to kind of bunch up in the middle middle of the field. So that makes it more difficult. But again, it's just a, a little too cute. You know, you got those three guys, and I've been saying this forever. And I maybe maybe I'm just overrating Humphrey Smith and Tooney, but you you gotta believe you can kind of just run up in there and get your yard, half a yard or whatever, but uh, we'll see. But just the over the overall tone. I mean, it comes out, you know, the day before, or the night before. You know, Patrick's not feeling well; has the flu, whatever. Okay, they have to announce that. I think just you know for the league to let them know, hey, he may not play, but there was no way he wasn't playing in that game. So he was a little off, and you could the only way I really could tell that not the way he was throwing it or anything like that, but it just seemed like in the pocket he wasn't moving as quickly as he normally would. So again, I don't know, not making excuses. They still had every opportunity in the in the world to score points, but turnovers uh, again in the red zone. You know, sack fumbles, a couple interceptions. You know, is he forcing it to to travel you know, on third down? It's like you know, there may be progressions on the play, but in term in Patrick's mind, the first read is always 87. And there were a couple of times where, again, I'm no coach. I don't watch all 22, but it looked like it, you know, after the fact there were guys, there was other people open. Now, is it a trust factor because some of these kids are dropping passes, whether it's Sky Moore, you know, Rasheed Rice has really come on. He's he, great after the catch or whatever but even he you know wide open in the middle of the field balls right there and ju it's just a draw you know it's inexplicable so again it's they they kind of lay one or two of these eggs every year last year was like in indianapolis uh a muffed punt in that game as well that time it was sky Moore. this this game against denver was mccall hartman and hartman is always an adventure in punt return Turn. I mean, for every, you know, one that he breaks and makes because he's so fat and he's and he's he's really good at it. But there'll be like four or five where he'll let it he'll let it bounce when he when he really should run up and catch it or he tries to catch it when he should let it bounce. There's muffs. They give they give the ball to Denver, like the 10 yard line. I mean, it wasn't so much with Denver to Denver didn't make a, a lot of mistakes. I think Russell still, I, I think he threw for like 115 yards. He, I think Javante Williams had some runs here and there, like 27 carries for 85 yards. They didn't do anything overly spectacular. So the Chiefs defense, I thought, played well, even for the positions they were put in. It's just the offense. Just I, I don't know. It's like they're, they're stuck in second gear, and it's every time – 
you know, Patrick, again, it, that read goes, no matter what the play says, 87 always seems to be the first read. And uh, then he get then he gets a, a little, uh, I guess, greedy, if you would. And instead of taking the check downs and he goes through this, it seems like every year and it just, he kind of has to reel himself in. Hopefully this trip to Germany maybe, maybe changes the mojo a little bit, but yeah, I, I, you know, offensively it's just, it's a struggle right now. It's a trade deadline. They should make a trade for a wide receiver. I mean, there, there's like no question in my mind. Miko Hardman isn't enough. They have to no, make a bigger splash. Had, yeah, I don't think he ever was at, at receiver. I think for for yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that was just kind of like, hey, do do the guy solid, and 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 the Jets weren't using him, but I don't know that they were counting on him to to really elevate that group. But you know, will they make yeah, a I trade? Yes, I agree. I agree. Will they make a trade for a wide receiver? I I kind of doubt it because. I mean, I guess the guys that you think would be available, the finances are, would just be a little out of reach. Now they could fit it for the rest of this year. It's then how much, how many assets are you willing to give up to then go in on a huge contract at a position that you typically aren't going to pay that much, right? So. Let's look at somebody like D Hop, who over this weekend, all of a sudden, Will Levis comes in, and we'll talk about Levis in a second. Uh, and wow, what, where's this been all year, right? I mean, three deep ball touchdowns. Uh, he's been like, uh, you know, kind of a lost and forgotten guy, maybe on that 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 uh, post office uh, poster, most wanted. Where where is he? Um, but again, for this year, they could certainly fit it, but it's a big number for next year, which I don't know that Tennessee is going to like do them a solid and pay, pay, you know, pay a lot of that off. No, they're not going to do that. So are they willing to stomach that? And what was Tennessee want in return? So that I guess that's the big part of it. I think in their minds, hey, if they can make a deal that makes sense, kind of like the Kadarius Tony last year, uh, I think was a third and a fifth, maybe they do it. But, you know, for the guys that are available, I think the team that holds those guys is looking for a much bigger, much bigger return. Well, I hope so. Uh, like I think at this point, the Chiefs offense doesn't scare me. And the truth is, they need another guy on the outside. I know you have a lot of confidence in these young wide receivers. I don't. I think they need to strike a deal. I don't think uh, the Broncos will make a deal. And I don't think the Chiefs will take Jerry Judy. But why not Why not take like Hunter Renfro? Huh? Maybe another weapon on third downs. Another versatile guy. He's a slot receiver. I get it. But he can help on those third downs. And then it won't be as obvious that Patrick Mahomes is just looking at Travis Kelsey on that. Well, I think it, I think it's the same thing. I mean, I don't think the Raiders are looking to make any, you know, any, do any favors to the Chiefs for for any stretch. I would imagine the asking price for him would be more from the Chiefs than it would from any other team in the league. Um and he had he signed an extension recently, so that money again, those those restructures, or if they're the the owning team, if you would, of that contract, in order for them to do that, they would have had to have done it by yesterday. 
Maybe they did, but if they were, I don't think they would. He would have been on the field last night, you know, against Detroit if that deal was about to be made. So, moving forward, okay, are they willing to take that contract into next season? You know, they won a Super Bowl. You know, they did have Juju. Okay, I mean, I yeah, he was good. I don't know if he was great. It was better than what they've got right now, I think, but. I think that the thinking is that we're just going to make this work one way or another. It's not going to be explosive. You know, it's going to be more, you know, methodical moving down the field and using the running game a little bit more. So it's, I don't, you know, it's a tough thing because, you know, as fans and, you know, just us, you know, we're saying, well, geez, you know, it just seems so weak. Why not, why not make a move? Well, it just, you know, there's nobody looking to do the, the Super Bowl champs a favor. Hey, they're struggling right now. There's 30 other teams we could trade this guy to. We're not going to help them out, especially a division rival. So, like somebody like a Cortland Sutton, which I think would be the better move over Judy, but they're not going to make, you know, the Broncos aren't going to trade him to the Chiefs. There's no way. Unless, you know, they were, well, you know, you give us, uh, you know, a number one and a number three or, or, or two twos or something like that. And then, and you pay them, then maybe they would do it. But at, I don't see Veach making that making that move. So it's like, hey, just gotta suck it up and do it with the guys we have. Patrick's gotta play better. If he'd be the first to admit that was not a good game by him last game. And uh, yeah, it's a it's, be interesting to see what happens against Miami this week. Uh, that's that's the big game. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure the Chiefs have a lot. Of things, you know, I want to see the Chiefs' defense against the the Dolphins' offense. I think that's the matchup I want to see because the Chiefs' defense, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, have really impressed me, and I think they've impressed everyone. And I want to see how they're going to be able to to slow down Tyreek and how they're going to be able to slow down that explosive Dolphins' offense. All right, so uh, I mentioned earlier Will Levis. Uh, you know, famously on draft night was not a good night. Uh, you see now it t- probably turns out like he probably got the, maybe got the better of it over the other guys that went before him. I mean, other than CJ Stroud, but he, I don't think he was going to challenge for that spot. He probably thought he had a chance to go in the top 10 and that was probably the, the biggest concerning thing. And it seems to happen, you know, over, I mean, you remember, you know, the, the night Rogers, yeah, they thought, you know, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, a Cal guy, he's going to go first overall to the Niners. And it turns out it's Smith. He falls all the way to 24. Will Levis falls out of the first round. Uh, just some very difficult camera shots of him with his family, his then girlfriend. I don't think she's in the picture anymore. Uh, that might have had something to do with it. She was uh, maybe irritating him a little bit, like, what's taking so long? Why can't we go party? Uh, but he, he knocked it out of the park, you know, first game, you know, where's the deep ball been in Tennessee's offense? You know, it's like, well, the offensive line, you know, the receivers, this, but all of a sudden, you know, rookie comes out, maybe they didn't have, you know, Atlanta didn't have much, uh, film on him. D hop rises from the 
from the dead and scores three touchdowns. So uh, it was a pretty, pretty significant first game with four touchdown passes in his first game. And three of them were deep balls. I, I, even the fourth one wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, dink or dunk and, or the receiver took it. I mean, he was a lot of air yards for, for Will and we know he's got the cannon and he was showing it off. Um, so you think this was just a product of, Hey, it was, not so much a surprise, but just lack of film on him for Atlanta? Or do you think he really has a chance to just kind of come in, take this job? Maybe not take, I mean, he's not going to like throw four touchdowns every week, but just, you know, kind of take over this team moving forward. I think it's a lack of tape and the Falcons have a bad defense, Lou, especially that pass defense. I mean, they've really struggled all year long. So uh, we want to praise Will Levis, and I'm happy for him, but he played against, like, one of the worst defenses in in 2023. I mean, certainly the moment didn't seem too big for him at all. He had the deep ball working. I mean, he completed 19 of 29 passes for 238 yards, and it certainly didn't look like a Ryan Tannehill type of offense. You know, the offensive coaching staff kind of let him loose and— Obviously, he found, you know, his favorite target in New Hopkins for three long touchdowns. So I think moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he should be the quarterback in Tennessee because they needed a spark. I mean, they were, what, two and four before. Now they've improved, you know, to three and four. I don't see Ryan Tannehill, you know, starting over him. I think you want to see what you have. In Will Levis. So you move forward with that. And it seems like Rabel said that they were going to alternate, right? Malik Willis and Will Levis were going to get, you know, both going to get a chance to play. But that is always cagey, that Vrabel. That ended quickly. (laughs) You know, that ended quickly. Obviously, Levis had the deep ball working. And it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. He just gave him a spark, Lou. And sometimes you need a spark in order for for the team to get you know going and for the whole and the whole team looked energized the whole offense looked energized so it, it was good to see for the rookie quarterback but we'll see again he played against a very bad defense right and the nfl we'll, we'll see the nfl comes next. at you fast short week they play thursday night in pittsburgh he may get a he may get a dose of tj watt and, uh, and yeah, and, and, it, and it could get ugly really fast. Just the only problem is that the, the Pittsburgh's o- offense doesn't really scare you. So it'd probably be a close, low scoring game Thursday night. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see that, you know, the, you get the youth in there. Tannehill's probably on his way out. He's injured as well. Uh, maybe the Malik Willis thing was kind of a smokescreen, kind of get, you know, the other team to prepare for two guys or whatever, or whatever, uh, you know, Vrabel was doing there, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case moving forward. But again, we'll see in Pittsburgh again, short week, they turn around on the road. So you only get a couple, you know, a couple days to, you know, walkthroughs or whatever, and you're getting ready for, uh, yeah, for, for number 90 breathing down your throat most of the day. That's, uh, that, that might be a tougher spot for, for, for old Will back in Pennsylvania. He started his, uh, started his career at Penn state and then moved along to Kentucky before he kind of, kind of took off. Uh, one of the, I guess one of the worst stories coming out of the weekend is, uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean, you just got to feel horrible for this guy. He's, you know, he's kind of been that, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it took a lot of abuse, right, for, for over the years. But, you know, he, he stuck to his guns with his contracts. Uh, he's always, you know, put up put up good numbers. He's a good dude, great leader. And I think he was having, if you know, if not his best season, one of his best seasons to date and kind of getting that thing turned around four and four now. And I guess it was in the third quarter and pop, he goes down and you knew right away. That's it for the season. Um, but yeah. So, and so what do they do now? Are they, are they, are they buyers now with the trade market? Try to bring a quarterback in there. Who's going to trade a, a good quarterback right now? Uh, Probably not. Daniel Hunter is sitting there. You know, he's at the end of his contract. Are they going to move him? Uh, just a, a you just, I just feel awful for him because I've always liked him, and uh, it it just seemed like again, yeah, like he was he was kind of overcoming some of those those uh, prime time game, uh, I guess woes, if you would. They go to Green Bay again. The Packers aren't that good, but hey, they had him in position. They win the game. And here we go. So Captain Kirk, he's out. So this is probably the last time that we saw, you know, Cousins wearing a Vikings uniform. I mean, I would assume probably yes. Because I think if the Vikings lose a few more games and, you know, I don't see them trading for a veteran quarterback, they're probably going to go after, I don't know, Carson Wentz. I don't know who else. Colt McCoy. Well, they say, Jaron, yeah, I mean, Jaron Hall, I mean, I, I again, I, I think they have to kind of decide which route they're going. I mean, are we going to go for this? Because those last two spots in the, in the NFC are, are there for the taking, right? So they could still make a, a playoff run even without Kirk Cousins. Uh, now, is it going to be much of a playoff run? No. And is that really worth it? You know, do you just, okay, hey, let's play it out with Jaron Hall. We lose, keep, you know, if we lose, we lose, and we get a better draft pick, and maybe one of these young quarterbacks we draft. Or I don't think, you know, it's not too far out of the realm of possibility that they re they bring Kirk back. Just because you think that nobody else would want him? Uh, you know, a 36-year-old no, quarterback I think coming somebody, off? I, th a I think some, somebody might. But I just think the family guy that he is, you know, he's got put. He's, I think that he's put some serious roots down in Minnesota. I just like I think the you know if he'd have been healthy, getting trade, he's got the no trade clause. So I don't think he really wants to leave. So it's going to be up to the organization. Do they want to, you know, give a two or three year deal to a 36 year old guy coming off an Achilles injury that may not be ready, you know, until I don't I don't know, like maybe the the end of training camp, the beginning of next season, that a lot of big decisions coming in Minnesota. That's for sure. And it's not, I mean, it kind of starts today to a degree, but more than likely at the end of the season and then into the draft. Is Kirk but you Cousins, said Colt, Colt McCoy might be a guy that you just bring in, right. As kind of having a veteran there. Yeah. I would just say of that his familiarity, familiarity with O'Connell, with that whole Shanahan tree. 
Right, I would I would bring in one of those guys. I mean, even even Wentz, I would consider him as well. I mean, I just I don't think anybody is going to trade a key backup quarterback to the Vikings. I don't think anybody's going to give him that you know due diligence. But I'm I'm not. I don't feel too confident going with Hall, a rookie quarterback. How about the starter. rocket scientist? The rocket scientist Joshua Dobbs just got. Just got benched, I think, in in Arizona. Smart dude. I mean, he came in to Tennessee last year, almost uh, got him to the playoffs. I don't know. I don't think the you know that that experiment with Clayton Tune, I, I think, is going to end end badly. And I think they're going to go back to Dobbs sooner than later. I just think right now think it's like he, a desperation move. You don't think Kyler plays in the, in a couple of weeks? I, I don't. I, I just I, like why would you risk? bringing kyler in if you're not well i mean if he if if he's healthy if he's healthy they i mean i think they have to know where kyler is too don't don't you i mean if you're arizona and you're sitting there maybe you're going to have a high pick are we going to stick with this guy or do we move on i mean it's so i think and a new coaching staff too. So don't you think they at least want to see him on the field for a few games before they say, okay, we're good. Let's just stay with them. Or, you know what, let's just use one of these picks on one of these younger guys, start the clock over, pay a lot less. Now they'd be eating a lot of money, I would think, but moving forward with a new coaching staff, maybe they just bring in one of those young guys. Arizona is what? One in seven right now, Lou. I believe they are. Say they lose <laughs> the next three or four games, like around, like, yeah. you know, and I don't think Kyler is going to return any sooner than that. Say they're like 1-11. and Do you risk going with Kyler Murray in December when you've got, me- like, really meaningless games? I wouldn't. If I'm the coaching staff, I wouldn't, knowing that even if he's close to being 100%. What is he going to give you? What is he going to give you? A spark? Or are you going to evaluate him in the last month of the season? That seems ridiculous. Yes. I think they know yeah, well, who they do. have. Lou, I think they know who they have. Really? I, yeah, they do. I do think that that franchise as a whole, even though so, it's, it's so a new think, GM, a new coaching staff, I think they know who they have. Either, so you think it's like a Deshaun situation where they just – He's just a, a healthy scratch the rest of the way. I because he because I think he's been medically cleared. The window twenty one days opened, so he is. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he is healthy. And I think they could certainly use him this week if they wanted to, but probably not on the road in Cleveland. I would imagine the next home game. I I'd be shocked if he's not playing. This is a bad Arizona Cardinals team. And this goes a Absolutely. lot deeper than Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray isn't going to save you here, okay? No. He, all of a sudden. It, and I do think that that franchise knows exactly who they have in Kyler Murray. Whether they want to go forward with him next season, that's up to them. That's going to be the decision that you know they're going to have to make. And I don't think four or five games this season is going to decide Kyler Murray's future. <laughs> So are you thinking that maybe they've already made the decision and rather than risk getting him injured again, they're just going to, they're just going to sit him out. And and what, what does Kyler say? You know, I mean, he'll speak out. I mean, he's, 
if he's healthy, I mean, I'm sure he's he wants to play as one who like sit and watch. That's what I'm thinking, Lou. I'm thinking that the Arizona Cardinals want to start over. They've got a new coaching staff. They've got a new GM. They don't have any attachment to Kyler Murray, and I think they can eat that contract. I think they'll trade him. I think somebody is going to take him because somebody feels that, hey, Kyler Murray is still better than two-thirds of the quarterbacks in this league. I think they have to start over. It's it's a new clean slate. Just get rid of it. That's it. You gave him the contract, but that was the old regime. Now you got to go with the new guy, whether it's Caleb Williams or you know the kid from North Carolina or whether it's Sanders. Doesn't matter. You start over from scratch. You go with a, a young rookie quarterback because you've got a bad team around you. And I think you can still get some return for Kyla Murray. You can get you can still get some valuable picks. And I think you sit him, you don't risk him, and then the offseason, you get rid of him. So Kyla Murray is going to get some of that treatment you know, that, that the Cardinals did before to Josh Rosen. I think that's what's going to happen. If this is a bad team... Why would you go and play Kyler Murray? Okay, I just, I don't get it. Like in the next four or five weeks, he's not going to show you anything different than you already don't know. Like you still see some things. You're still going to see things in practice. I mean, the new coaching staff is can evaluate him there. He doesn't have to. Right. I see it. Day. I see it from from their point of view. But what about Kyler? If he's if he's healthy and he just he wants to play. And then you just, I, I don't know how you just say, no, we're going to sit you. Um, We've seen yeah. some bad teams before. Oh, yeah. Not risk playing their franchise type of players because, I mean, these guys can get hurt, especially with his playing style out there. Why not bring him along slowly and get him ready for next season? That's the story that they can tell him. But I think the Arizona Cardinals have already made up their mind. I think they're going to have a number one overall pick, and I think they're going to go quarterback, and Kyler is going to be on the trading block. So you think they will trade, like leading up to the draft, that's when the trade gets made? I do think that that's what's going to happen. Just to, yeah, try, to try to load up, try to load up on some picks, um, and it may even happen during the draft, depending on you know some of the other jockeying for position. Because like you said, uh, there's some, I mean, there's some names out there, and again, these are you know, potential rookie players, but it looks to be like a, a pretty decent, strong, I mean, a strong draft because you mentioned, you know, obviously you got Caleb Williams, you've got Drake May, you've got, uh, depending on what your likes and dislikes, you know, Michael Penix Jr. from, from Washington. Uh, I don't know where you stand on Bo Nix. I personally don't, I don't see it but hey i'm sure there's plenty of people that, that think he that, that he could be a first round pick uh and there's probably some other guys that i'm leaving out at uh, the kid from the kid from duke if he comes out uh shadur sanders i think he's going to stick around and play for his dad that one more year but he could certainly come out uh i just don't see it happening so uh, a lot of intrigue going to be leading up to the draft now you throw kyler murray into the mix Again, it's going to take a GM that says, okay, none of these guys are as good as he is right now, and we're willing to pay for it. And come again, coming off people looking at this Deshaun Watson situation, it just they got to be gun shy. Now, granted, uh, not totally guaranteed for Kyler, and I'm sure there's a lot of 
you know, shenanigans they can play with with the contract. But it's just got to be a tough one with an existing guy that is sitting out and now he's going to be healthy. And if they let him sit out knowing that he's healthy, it, it may, you know, might might kind of tamp down the, the trade value there. So it should be interesting either way. We're, we're here for it. All right, man. MVP of the week. Got a, th- a few candidates here. I'm sure there's many other guys, but uh, a couple that really stood out to me, Alex. Uh, A.J. Brown is on a heater. I mean, six consecutive games, over 125 yards receiving. I think it's the first time it's been done. I think it's the only time it's been done. I think he beat uh, the record that uh, Megatron had. Uh, a couple more touchdowns. And then some of the catches that he's making is, I mean – Early in the season, like the first game or after the second game, it was like, you know, they're all frustrated. He and he and Hertz having words on the sideline. And now all of a sudden he's on this heater for six consecutive games. CeeDee Lamb finally broke out against the Rams, 12, buck 58, couple touchdowns. So, again, it was one of those games where Dallas jumps out. Let's see what he can do. Again, in a big game, meaningful game, they play in Philadelphia this coming week. Huge game. But my MVP of the week is going to be the, you know, Joe Cool, number nine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like 88% completion percentage. And he threw for under 300 yards, but three touchdowns. And just the way he moved, the way he led that team, everything about him just exudes. And that's why he he was my choice for MVP before the season. And I think he still has every opportunity to win it. And if he plays like he did last week, uh, MVP, our MVP or my MVP of the week may be the smallest of the accolades that he received. Uh, it's probably the smallest anyway, but you know, I like to you know, maybe pump it up a little bit. You mentioned three guys. I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to go with the rookie running back out of Detroit. Uh, Jamar Gibbs, he had 152 yards on the ground, 26 Huge. carries. You know, he had, he picked up five receptions for 37 yards on the receiving end as well. I know it was against the Raiders, but again, the kid was the driving force behind that win on Monday night. You know, he played at he a different a speed. He's just faster. I mean, watching him in Alabama, it just seemed like he was just faster than anybody on the field. I mean, it was he's kind of like uh, like the tight like a Tyreek Hill, but playing running back where he's just if he gets that initial step. I mean, it's like he's gone. He's just gone. <laughs> and, it, and it's fun to watch. And it's kind of like the first game. They really featured him, gave him the ball a lot. And I think that's what Dan Campbell's intent was all along. Uh, we'll see what happens with David Montgomery when he comes back. Uh, I'm sure the the load share is going to be a lot, a lot different than it was before he got hurt. So, and it was uh, just huge yeah, because yeah. it was oh, yeah. huge because you mentioned meaningful. it. It was it, all meaningful stuff. Before Montgomery went down, he seemed to be the driving force of that offense. You know, the Lions were feeding him, giving him the ball, and he was delivering. When he went down with an injury, the Lions looked like a different team, but they featured Gibbs against the Raiders, and hopefully we'll see him get more carries and get more of those opportunities in the open field because he can certainly be that home run hitter. He can break ankles. You know, he can make people miss. Uh, that's that's his game out there. So the Lions got back on track on Monday night. Yeah, and he's huge in the passing game too because they could you, you could split that guy out. I mean, you talk, we talk about Bijan Robinson on his, all all his skills. Jameer Gibbs, I mean, he's right there. I, I don't. I mean, 
again, this was a guy that watching college football last year, I said, that's what the Chiefs need. I mean, to me, being selfish, I mean, if the Chiefs get a guy like that, it would be like getting Jamal Charles in his prime back with this offense rather than one he was playing with. And it's just, you know, you get him out in space and it's lights out. So I all here, I'm, I'm here for Jameer Gibbs, even though I do have David Montgomery on one of my fantasy teams and he was really, you know, driving some wins for me. Uh, looking to the bench right now. So <laughs> I don't don't know that he's going to be coming back and starting for me anytime soon. All right, the pick segment coming up. Alex with the strong lock of the week last week. Jacksonville goes into Pittsburgh and just takes that team apart. Um, it was ugly. It was a slog. Uh, the weather around here has not been kind since since the since the calendar changed to fall. I mean, it, it, we don't see the sun much. It does ra- has been raining. It seems like every day at some point or another. But uh, yeah. Weather changes that you think it's kind of it was this kind of a Steelers game, but they could not get out of their own way on offense. And Travis Etienne does what Travis Etienne does. And uh, yeah, it was uh, just a, a great game. Good call by you, Alex. My lock of the week this week, Low. I'm taking the Chargers on the road Monday wow. night against okay. the Jets. That's right. I'm taking up a, a West Coast team. On Monday night against the New York Jets, I think it's minus two, and I think they'll they'll definitely cover it. They'll they'll get that field goal. I have confidence in Justin Herbert and, and that team going to New York. Yeah, they look pretty solid against Chicago. Now again, it was the Bears and it, that roster. You know, we can talk about that another time. But it, anyway, Herbert looked pretty. A lot healthier. The finger, you could tell, was still still bothering him a little bit, but uh, he was throwing some lasers. So, yeah, I love that kid. All right. (laughs) So, yours truly, the picks did not go very well this past week. It was a a tough day, to say the least. Uh, Yeah, the Colts, we got to push out of the Jets, the Packers. I mean, just the the losses were just ugly. San Francisco, not good. Uh, Seattle, just Barely got it done at the end of the game, and Cleveland should have won that game. I don't know what the hell they were doing passing the ball, but I'll take it. So one, three, and one. Well, we won't even talk about the push. So fifteen and thirteen for the season. Let's go. Five more for this week. I think Houston is going to bounce back. Uh, the game in Carolina. Not really sure what was happening there. Maybe it was a road game. It was the two rookie quarterbacks going head to head, and CJ Stroud didn't quite make the plays. So, I, but I think going back home, Tampa Bay has kind of showed us who they are now. Just not very good. Houston minus three. Let's go with them. Carolina at home. I've been riding the Colts, even though they really haven't helped me much lately. So I'm going to go against them this week. So I'm sure they're going to kick my ass. But I'm going to take Carolina plus the three at home versus the Colts. Uh, Baltimore is going back home. They, you know, they kind of messed around with the Cardinals there out in the desert. The late score uh, at the end made it look a little bit closer than it really was. Seattle, again, West Coast coming east, 1 o'clock window. Baltimore is just a different team at home. I'm going to take them minus 5.5. Uh, a couple of huge games. Let's go right into it. Philadelphia minus 3 versus Dallas. I think – Again, Dallas comes into this game a little more overvalued because, again, when they can explode on a team early, they just roll. 
I mean, it's just a whole different ball game. The Eagles, even though they struggle in some of these games and they just kind of find a way, when they're in a big game, it's almost like they, they just play a little bit differently. They play at a different level. I'm going to take the Eagles minus three. They're at home, and they're just I just think they're the better team. And then the Monday night game, or Sunday night game, sorry, Cincinnati minus three at home against Buffalo. I don't know why this number's only three. I would think it would be higher. So that's the only thing that scares me a little bit. But I just, I, I'm buying the Bengals here. Uh, Buffalo's kind of the schizophrenic team. I'm really not sure what you're going to get week to week. Uh, they're going back to a place that was a pretty emotional place. Now, again, both teams will probably feel those emotions. But I think what we talked about Burrow earlier, it, he's got them rolling. Anna Rumo's got that defense playing well. They're pressuring the quarterback. They're making plays. I'm going to take Cincinnati here. So the five-pack, if you will, Houston minus three, Carolina plus three, Eagles minus three, Baltimore minus five and a half, and Cincinnati minus three. Alex, how are you feeling about those? If I was a gambling man, Lou, and I was in Vegas, I would yes. feel iffy about the Bengals just coming off that three-game high. They've got a winning streak. The well, Bills there was a won't... buy in there, so that's... Yeah, that we've praised them it. on the show. You know, we're, we're talking up the Bengals. The Bills are... It's the same situation like the Bills against the Dolphins. You get the same vibe. Everybody's talking up the Dolphins. They're like, and the Bills are done. Oh, the Dolphins are going to stick it to them. And the Bills rolled up like 48 points on them. It's the same thing here. It just it feels the same way. Like, we're talking we up the Bengals. We didn't say that, though. We had Buffalo that game, Alex. So don't, don't, don't lump us in with we or yeah, they. Yeah, so I just I, I think the Bills. I, I think the Bills are going to sneak up on the Bengals here, and um, I just I got a sneaky I would per, feeling. I would actually prefer that to happen. Actually, from a standings perspective, an AFC overall picture, I'd like to see the Bengals lose as many games as possible. But just in terms of this game, again, going back to Cincinnati, where it's such an emotional night, I just I don't know. I, I just. It, they can, obviously, they have the talent to go in there and win. No question about it. I don't think it's a, a lock by any stretch. But they've just been so up and down, and you just don't know who's going to show up. So, yeah, I hear you. Big game. You know, they against Miami, same thing. But I just think Cincinnati is kind of fine in their stride here. And they – I don't know. I, I just think that that's a team that, – that's the scariest team in the AFC right now to me. Fair enough. I mean, we've talked up the Bengals on this show, and I agree yes. with you. It's just this is a really sneaky game because it is. It the, is. the Bills are still, they want to show the entire world that they can get it done against, you know, Joe Cool and, and Cincinnati. Yep. Like the same thing that they did against the Dolphins. It's almost a must, a must win for them. Right. I mean, especially like if Miami beats Kansas City on Sunday, now all of a sudden you're looking at that division and it's like they can't get too far behind. They only have one more game with with Miami head to head. So, uh, yeah, this it could could be a, a much different game come Sunday night than, it you know, what it was you know right now. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. It's, it's going to be a tough one. It can go either way. But I just think in this case, I'm going to go with Burrow. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just juju. It's reverse juju. <laughs> I'll pick them. So Buffalo. 
that's me being a homer, Alex. That's uh, it's all about it's all about the Chiefs. So, all right, gang, that is going to do it for us this week. Again, happy Halloween, happy trade deadline day. I haven't seen anything come across the old uh, Twitter machine or Google machine, but uh, we got another two hours uh, before before uh, the deadline hits. So, for my friend Alex, I'm Lou. As always, on the way out. Mm.